This is Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. Your host, Carl Valeri, has over a decade of experience counseling pilots. Aviation Careers Podcast will help you navigate towards your aviation career goal. Here is your host, Carl Valeri. Welcome to the Inspirational, Informational, and Transparent Aviation Careers Podcast. Today, I'm with aircraft mechanic, Adam Seip from the Airplane Intel Podcast. If you're interested in uh, folks that do some incredible pre-buys and also interested in understanding the mechanics behind owning an aircraft, that's who you need to talk to. It's Airplane Intel Podcast. Listen to that show. It's terrific. Adam Seip is one of the hosts there. Uh, before we get started, though, a couple of announcements. Number one, aviationcareerspodcast.com slash courses, where you can find all the courses, including the scholarships guide, career coaching, and many other technical courses, and we're putting more in there as we move forward. You know, as a special thanks to you for listening, in the right column of our website, don't forget, visit aviationcarespodcast.com, and you'll see some discount coupons in the right side. Right now, you're going to see Shamrock, also Sun and Fun. You'll see that as a, a uh, coupon. They're both 15% off. Uh, Shamrock, of course, was for uh, St. Patrick's Day, and uh, Sun and Fun, we're going to run that till the end of Sun and Fun. So thanks for listening. That's my way of saying thanks to you, and uh, I really appreciate your listening. Uh, and I also appreciate the feedback. So don't forget, feedback at aviationcareerspodcast.com. Say you have a question for one of my guests, like Adam, who we're going to talk to here in a minute, make sure you send me an email, and I will forward it to them. People always ask me, how can I get in t- touch with these folks? Best way is to send us feedback at aviationcareerspodcast.com. Hey, another thing, too, I'm getting a lot of feedback on people wanting to come on the show. If you are someone who's interested or you have a friend or somebody you think would be interested or interesting on the podcast, just check out our YouTube channel and also check out at the bottom of this podcast in the show notes the video that says how to be a guest on aviationcareerspodcast.com. Tells you how, what you need to do, what type of equipment, that type of thing out there. So check that out. Well, anyway, let's get on with the show today. And uh, one of the things that I think is really important, and I've always said this from the beginning of our show, is that there are so many other avenues other than being a pilot. The pilot is just one piece to a ginormous equation that gets the airplane off the ground. Uh, one of the things that's happened, as you notice, in the past few years is we've been so busy because of all the hiring that's going on at the regional. So I'm trying to catch up with all the questions, and that's what we've been focusing on. But I want to bring a mechanic back in, and I have somebody with me. If you ever listen to Stuck Mike Avcast, we've talked to him, but that's Adam Sipe from the Airplane Intel Podcast. Hey, Adam, welcome back. Hey, Carl, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's great having you here, and uh, I know you are an aircraft mechanic and somebody who is passionate about aviation. You actually, it's a rainy day here in Lakeland, and you uh, flew in, and uh, oh yeah, what did you fly in in? I didn't ask you that. Yeah, so I uh, just took a a nicely modified uh, ni- uh, Cessna 172 here from Orlando Executive, and like I said, it's a, it's a rainy day, it's an IFR day, low IFR day, and uh, it was a great, great flight, uh, Good to get some actual IMC time. Yeah, and so you're not just a mechanic, right? You're you're a pilot, and not just I shouldn't say it that way, but <laughs> but you do a lot of different things besides being a mechanic. Exactly, I try to try to have my hands in different areas of aviation for sure. Cool. Um, so this episode here is more about so you want to be an aircraft mechanic, and we're going to talk about a lot of different things, pay, etc. But before we start that, maybe we could get a little background on you and how you were able to become a mechanic in this world of aviation? Sure. So, 
as I mentioned in in an interview we did on Stuck Mike, I got bit by the aviation bug pretty early on. Grew up near Chicago here airport which obviously lots of airplanes everywhere out that way and always just had a fascination with airplanes started going air shows that sort of thing and took a a, my first flight uh in the left seat on a 172 on my 14th birthday but uh did a little flying here and there through my teens and what have you but essentially you know I didn't have you know an aviation family per se so and didn't come from a lot of a lot of money or resources so anyways the flying got put on hold and I ended up uh, joining the military where I was a mechanic on the F18 in the Marine Corps so that's where my mechanic experience I, I suppose started I, I did some line service work when I was 17 as well uh, on corporate jets but you know I got my start as as a mechanic through the military so now, let me get this straight. How old were you when you went in? You were able to go right into maintenance? Yep. So uh, I was uh, 18 when I joined. And, you know, essentially my, my contract was for what at the time was fixed wing aircraft mechanic, which could have led down very, uh, you know, a wide range of directions uh, based on the needs of the, of the Marine Corps at the time, as well as your performance through training and everything like that. And uh, so I was fortunate enough to be able to get on the F-18 directly as a mechanic. I, I got to my first unit when I was 19. So what's amazing about this story is most of our, the people that are listening are looking to pay for it themselves. How much did you pay for, for your training as a mechanic? Well, through the military, obviously, that was all paid for. Now, it's, it's a little complicated because there's a few ways to, to get involved in aviation maintenance, one is fairly inexpensive, uh, other than the military, of course. There's another way that's fairly inexpensive, and that would be like on-the-job training. And if you look under, mechanics are, are licensed under FAR Part 65, uh, as opposed to pilots, under 61. So that's a good place to look to see what the requirements are and, and so on and so forth. And the FAA website has some very easy-to-read uh, criteria for becoming a mechanic. So anyway, the the on-the-job training would be essentially 18 months working on the airframe side of becoming a mechanic and then 18 months of on-the-job training on the power plant side for being a mechanic or 30 months of combined training, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So if you're, if you're working... And so in other words, you don't have any license or anything like that. You work under the supervision of a already licensed aircraft mechanic and the license, for those that may not be familiar, is called an airframe and power plant license, which would be A and P for for short. And uh, that's that's the way to that's one way to get started. Now that takes, as I said, takes some time, and uh, you know, 18, 18 months for for one of the you know, either airframe or power plant, or thirty months for a combined. So that's you know, if, uh, some time for sure. So one question I have though is. What during that period are you actually getting paid? Usually, is that how it works? Yeah, it, it depends. So you could get hired on as, it, and it depends on where you're you're going. And this is again, it gets complicated. But essentially, if you're, let's say, to keep it simple, you're going to a maintenance shop that works on, you know, general aviation airplanes, piston powered airplanes. Yeah, you can get paid. It, it would you'd probably be paid similar to that of a line service technician. Yeah, anywhere from probably ten to fifteen dollars an hour, something like that. And you know, you'd be just working your way through, trying to get your sign-offs uh, from from the supervising A and P 
that you can go then to the FAA Flight Standards District Office to apply for the to make sure that you're qualified to uh, take the, the written tests. So, would you? How do you log all this time? Yeah, so you just keep a logbook, and it requires signatures, and the FAA has a form and that you could use as well. It's fairly simple, and 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 technically, I was able to get my AMP license through this idea of on the job training, and it just so happened that my my military occupational specialty, my MOS in the military, was considered both airframe and power plant, and uh, therefore I was able to use that criteria to apply to take my written exams through that. Now, there was a lot of studying after, which we can get into, but uh, but that was technically how I went about doing my AMP. So for those people that are in the military now thinking of getting out that are listening and want to get their AMP, um, you talked about this you know, as far as getting your licenses, there's some studying involved. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's not quite as simple as coming out and you get your equivalency, is it? Right. So, so tell us a little, put a little color on that whole, what you need to do. Well, what's interesting is, unlike being a pilot where you're, you, you have limitations to what you, can, what you can do in airplanes, you can fly. When you earn an A&P license, you're legally allowed to work on anything from a, from a light sport airplane all the way up to a 747. Okay. Now, the training and the studying has a wide range of topics that include reciprocating engines, turbine engines, uh, and and so on, and everything in between. But the problem is, you may not have the experience in in those fields. So, for instance, my my experience coming from from the Marine Corps on the F eighteen, which is a jet airplane, having worked only on that airplane. And then coming coming out of the military, transitioning out, and now studying for things that I had no clue about um, made it quite challenging, honestly. And it took it took some serious studying to to be able to take those those written tests. So there's people out there that usually think, well, you've been in the military. Obviously, coming out, it's going to be easy to transition. Not necessarily, because there's things that you haven't had any experience in, just like you were saying, you, and probably don't have a lot of experience in piston aircraft, that type of thing. Right, yeah. So that's, that, that's exactly right. Now, it, it's not impossible. So what I was able to do, let me digress for a second. When I was transitioning out of the military, what I was able to do is take a, uh, an A&P refresher course, essentially, through, through a school in, in Tampa. And uh, that was, at the time, it, this was going back almost 10 years, so it could be different now. But at the time, it was a two-week course specifically for military transitioning military that met the qualifications listed under the FAA Part 65. And, uh, you know, so you go through and you essentially are preparing to take the written exams, in which there are three. To get an AMP license, there are three written exams. So that's the general, which uh, all, all, the, all the material, by the way, is available for download on the FA site. So you can get the general uh, test prep book and the airframe. There's two airframe books and then the power plant book. So, by the way, that's available through PDF, through the FA handbooks uh, page. So anyway, so there's three tests. There's the general, there's the airframe, and then there's the power plant. Now, it's possible to get only airframe or only power plant, in which case you would be, uh, you'd be limited to whichever rating you had. Because essentially, you, your license or your certificate is a mechanic certificate. Airframe and or power plant is a rating, if that makes sense. Right, okay. 
That makes sense, yeah. And so you have the certificate, you have a rating, just like you have a pilot certificate, a private. Precisely. Yeah, and so an, an instrument rating, that type of thing. Right. Um, so, so there's a difference here in those type of things. There's airframe, there's power plant. There's something else, too. I think they have, like, this avionics technician. So right. explain that a little bit. Well, I, I, I'm not uh, perhaps the best person to ask about it, but... Essentially, you can train on the avionics side, which would be all your aircraft electronics and uh, or, you know, uh, uh, electrician-type work. And a lot of that is on-the-job training, honestly. And there's no requirement for most companies that I know of for them to have any sort of license, including an A&P license. There are, there are licenses they could have, such as a, there's different levels of the FCC license, the Federal Communication Commission license, that they can acquire. And there are schools that offer avionics training where at the end you, you take the FCC exams. Uh, so that, that is something you can do. But like I say, to my knowledge, you don't, most companies don't necessarily require uh, those licenses to begin working on the avionics side. And this, but this helps to have that on your resume. Everything yeah. helps, yeah. Yeah. of so, course. In aviation, everything helps. It really does. And by the way, just to digress a little bit, while we're talking, if you're listening, you might want to check out the FA website at the bottom of the show notes. We have this. It's how to become a mechanic. It has links to all that. And by the way, it also has links to what you were talking about with the manuals, etc. Mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of no matter what. Even if you buy the printed version, mm-hmm. because there's so many devices, always, always download the PDF version. I always have a PDF version of every manual wherever I go because, you know, I have an iPad or with me at right. all times when I'm flying like most people do. Right. That's <laughs> uh, a great point. Oh, gosh. You know, one of the things that I think is is really cool about an aviation maintenance technician and aircraft me- mechanic, any mechanic in general, is that there is a, a demand for them right now. Um, yes. You've actually, I'm sure, like where you work, you felt a little bit of a demand. I, they may have a shortage where you are or, or in other spots. What, what is your feeling on the street, gut feeling on the street as far as mechanics are concerned? Well, there's absolutely a shortage of, of qualified mechanics, okay? So... What, what I mean by that are mechanics that have certain experience levels. So, for instance, you know, if you're – and let me, let me just digress for a second. So, like I said before, this, get, this license gives you the, the privilege to work on, on any airplane, essentially. Now, with that said, though, the, or the companies that you apply to may or may not have additional experience requirements. So, for instance, like the airlines would say, hey, I want uh, a licensed airframe power plant mechanic with X amount of years of experience and then X amount of years of experience on a specific airplane, say 767, or preferred two years experience, let's say, on a, on a 767 or whatever. Or it might just be general like heavy aircraft experience. So th- that's something that we're seeing is the, the qualified uh, mechanics are, are, are there's definitely a shortage now that's on the broader scale looking at commercial aviation there's also a shortage of of mechanics in general on the general aviation side because i would say most likely the reason is a lot of the general aviation maintenance facilities probably don't pay as competitively as say the airlines do or perhaps some of the larger aircraft manufacturers do so that's where we might see some shortage as well 
and, and we're going to talk a little bit about that. And, and we don't want to get too technical right now. We got to talk a little bit about the fun part of things too. Sure. And uh, you know why become a mechanic? Uh, one of the things I I love mechanics and I love hanging out in the shop. I learned so much when I was at flight school. By the way, if you're a pilot listening, I really highly recommend you hang out with mechanics. You'll learn so much more <laughs> about the systems. And it's one thing that I actually thought that's what I was going to do. And I okay. wanted to fly in them instead. And, mm-hmm. I, and I love tearing things apart. I was a computer technician. I fixed computers. Uh, and it's the same challenges. That's one thing yes. that's so cool is when I call a mechanic, I work for the airlines, is I try to hang out with them and kind of troubleshoot with them. Don't get in their way, obviously, but like say, hey, listen, I'm curious about the system can you show me why this happened and they usually are more than willing unless they're under a lot of pressure to get things done to help you out so as far as you're concerned what what are some of the cool things about the job things that you like uh, and you know why did you go into this or why would you suggest it that's a that's going to be a long-winded answer to a good question so you know i i always wanted to be a pilot that was always my career goal and However, the path of being a mechanic was a little bit more accessible to me. It's, it's a lot less expensive, and the ability to get a job right out of school is almost guaranteed. And especially now, like we talked about the shortages, I mean, there are people, they're hiring a lot of mechanics right now. By they, I mean pretty much most maintenance facilities, the airlines, even the military is looking for for maintenance folks as well. So there's a lot of opportunities out there and a lot of diverse opportunities to to get started on 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 bigger airplanes, jet airplanes even early on. So seeing that as a possibility. Now, I'm not mechanically inclined at all, okay? I mean, I can take things apart, but good luck putting it back together. And like when I was a kid, I'm saying. So I I had to acquire these skills of being m- more mechanically minded through my through my training and so and, and through my on the job you know experiences that I've had and uh, getting mentored just like flying I mean you you there's mentorship involved for sure and so over the course of the last 10 years of now I would say I'm mechanically inclined no problem but it's a, it, it's an acquirable skill so I want to make that clear I mean there's a, I'm sure a lot of folks might might feel the same way I did when I was 17 18 where well this is an option for me but I'm not very mechanically skilled is this something I can realistically do without struggling or, or breaking things and hurting people, you know, and along the way? And the answer is yes, of course you can. It's an acquired skill. So with that said, I mean, d- just the idea of having so many options really was what specifically drew me to it. And then honestly, and we can talk about this, using the, the financial, the income, as well as the experience from being a mechanic to then finance or pay for becoming a pilot. So it, it is a possible stepping stone. I know other people that are doing it. Uh, it is a stepping stone you know, option as well if you were looking to, to ultimately go on the flying side, but you can start on the maintenance side. And so some of the things that I love, I mean, not including military stuff, which I've got lots of fun, exciting stories about that, working on those airplanes, which we can talk about later if you'd like. But, but what I enjoy is that, that challenge, like you said, every day it's something different. And there might be something I've never done before. Even after all these years, there's still maintenance tasks that I've never done. Uh, so that's, that's exciting. There's also things like uh, the responsibility that you have as a mechanic is fairly high, uh, especially um, as you continue through your maintenance uh, background by adding additional licenses, uh, which there are. There's one additional license you can add to your AMP. 
Uh, so there's a lot of responsibility there, and that's something I appreciate and enjoy taking on. And just th- that, that challenge of not necessarily knowing what's going to happen tomorrow or the next day, and the different levels of maintenance. There's, there's heavy, heavy maintenance where the airplanes are taken completely apart to bare bones. There's line maintenance, which you're familiar with, Carl, in the airlines where you, you might have a ball burnt out or, or a radio not working or a tire needs to be changed, and you call an A&P to the airplane to get that rectified in a quick time. So there's, the, you know, some things we have, sometimes we have months to do these inspections or maintenance tasks on airplanes. Sometimes we have minutes. And that diversification makes things really, really interesting. And, and, and another side note, and this is my absolute favorite thing about being a mechanic, is that as you get more experienced, uh, you, you have the opportunity usually to become what we call run and taxi qualified. So you can take, let's say, for instance, right now my, my, my job is working on corporate jets. So I'm able to, to do ground run and taxi operations on on many different model corporate jets and some turboprops that's fun that's fun and i'm not at that level as a pilot yet per se but it gives me the opportunity to learn about the airplane and and taxi them around and and go to full power on them to do to do leak checks and operational checks on on systems and that's very 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 fun a lot of responsibility of course and it's not something to take lightly but it is fun well, that's awesome. Sounds like a lot of fun. As a matter of fact, going back to what you're doing, so you're in a shop. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about the working environment because this always comes up is that, well, I don't want to change a tire in the middle of Minneapolis in the middle of winter. So, <laughs> right. And I'm sure you've probably done that in the cold, changed a tire, right? Sure, sure. That, that's always the horror story. You always hear that. I mean, how bad is that really? Come on. <laughs> well, it it's it all depends on... on uh, what you like doing, I guess. There's there's different. So, like you said, I work I work for a for a branch of a of a major aircraft manufacturer, and most of the general aviation aircraft, which and by that I mean piston airplanes as well as the the private jets, have service center networks throughout the country. So, for instance, uh, you know the manufacturing might be done in Wichita or in Savannah, let's say, but there will be service centers or at least mobile readiness teams nationwide ready to rescue downed airplanes or perform scheduled maintenance inspections and so on. So that's, that's part of the, I work as part of the service center network. Uh, that's my full-time day job for a major manufacturer. And, my, you know, specifically what I do is I do line maintenance f- as well as heavy maintenance uh, it's kind of a unique situation that I'm in. Uh, I'm I'm part of a FAR Part 135 crew. So in other words, I uh, am, am tasked with maintaining airplanes that are being used for a charter or commercial operations. So major, I, I can't say who exactly, but there are some major n- names that uh, are very familiar to fractional owners and things like that, that uh, we, we work on their airplanes. So uh, we, we do what we call drop-in maintenance, which would be line maintenance. Hey, we got an issue. Can you troubleshoot it? We need to get out of here in a couple hours. Cool. Uh, and then, then we do all the way down to the heavy uh, inspections that might occur, as well as any modifications uh, such as ADS-B mods that are being done on the older airframes, things of that sort. So it's a wide, very wide range of things that, that I'm doing specifically. Uh, now, within that organization, though, we are broken up into other crews. Some work the smaller 
airplanes, some work the bigger, some are scheduled maintenance, some are unscheduled. So the arrangements may differ depending on, on the facility and where you go and who you work for and so on. But that all, all this kind of stuff falls under the umbrella of a certified repair station, which is like an airline, more or less. I mean, it's certified by the FAA to do certain things, and there's, there's limitations and, and, uh, and privileges that they have. And so a lot of maintenance facilities are set up this way, whether it's a piston airplane or a jet airplane or even the airliners uh, and the airlines. In fact, a lot of their, if, if the airlines have in-house maintenance, they're on, operating under a repair station license, most likely. So anyways, uh, that's, that's kind of the work environment, and it could be anywhere in the U.S. I mean, and you could essentially pick and choose where you go. Uh, aviation brought me to Florida from Chicago, um, and I'm very happy about that because I love the weather here. Uh, that may not always be the case. The airlines, for instance, a lot of them do heavy maintenance up in the northern states in Ohio, Chicago, uh, New York, etc. So it's going to depend on the, on the company that you are looking at working for. Uh, Gulfstream, for, in- for instance, is in Savannah, and they've got uh, they've got their service center there. They've got their the manufacturing there, and they've got their their other networks throughout the country. So, lots of options to look to look at. The work environment though is probably going to be pretty similar throughout. You're going to have you know you're going to know what your job scope is based on how you're hired, and it's probably going to be a, a long list of things that you do day to day, and and it could be from from doing those tire changes brake changes, you know, things, consumable part replacement to, to, uh, to the heavy inspections. And it, as a mechanic, you do assist in those heavy inspections in, in one capacity or another. And essentially, you know, most, like for me, most of my work is inside work. So in other words, I'm working in a hangar. It's probably 25% of the time I'm outside. Now that if, if you're working strictly line maintenance, then you'll it'd probably be reversed. It'd be 75 outside, 25 inside. So, you know, you have to think about what, I guess, kind of work environment you want to be in. Some hangars have um, heat and air conditioning. Most don't. So, you know, if you're working down here in Florida in, in the summertime in a hangar, it gets quite toasty, especially if you're uh, working inside of a, an airplane that was recently uh, running. So now the, now the engines are hot, the oil's hot. I mean, or you're in the aft baggage compartment, or in in the some of the avionics bays, you know that sort of thing. It can get pretty pretty warm in there. So, you know, and, and then you know, again, I worked up in maintenance shops up in, in Illinois as well, and those hangars weren't heated, and uh, it got very cold as well. So, it 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 can it can vary uh, to what you can expect. But day to day, you're going to be working around airplanes. I guess to me, that's the most uh, motivating part is you're around airplanes, and I'm just grateful to be around an airplane every day, honestly. And uh, and and so if if you if you like working with your hands, if you're in, if you've maybe been involved as a car mechanic or not, uh, but you just want to be around airplanes, being a mechanic is is a excellent career choice, I think, in my opinion. Oh, I think so too, and I love that what you were talking about the challenges. You, you talked a lot about that throughout uh, you know your discussion, and I I think that is something that a lot of people don't realize is how how daily you can be challenged with things. I mean, it can be very difficult to fix something. Another thing that you mentioned as far as line maintenance, especially on the airline side, and the experience I've had is each of the stations either has a line 
maintenance personnel that works for the airline, or they don't. They have a contractor, and the contractor will come out. That contractor, and the challenge with that job, I was just talking to one recently, is that they may have to work with three or four airlines at once with all different ways of doing their mm-hmm. maintenance and actually recording things within their logbooks. I mean, it's not all the same. It's similar, but it's not the same. Correct. So now you're working on the phone with the mechanics at that airline trying to troubleshoot a problem. There are times that that can't be fixed or there's a part that has to come from the airline. So you every so often you'll see airlines fly in or like yours, you would work for a manufacturer. They may actually go out and try to recover an aircraft. Yes. Uh, and that's a, that can be challenging too. And that's that's got to be fun. I don't know if you've ever done one of those before. I, I haven't done that uh, recovering an airplane remotely uh, for who I work for currently. I've done it in the past. So go drive you know drive from illinois to to kansas to go rescue an airplane or something like that uh, that that could be interesting and uh, we do have a team of guys that do that i'm just not a part of that team but um but yeah and, and they go all over to, to get to get uh, airplanes and like you were saying though uh, when it comes to the way maintenance is recorded in logbooks and such is different from operator to operator and uh, that could be quite challenging. And that's something that, uh, as I mentioned, I work with a couple of uh, different 135 operators and their procedures and what they want in their maintenance logbooks and sign-offs and such are different. And it's, uh, it's a learning curve for sure, uh, for sure. And that's going to be how it is wherever you go. It's going to be uh, at least one procedure or system uh, set of procedures for, for actually performing the maintenance and then accounting for the maintenance via the maintenance records. One other thing that's a challenge when you're out in the field doing this type of work is that you may not know the airplane at all. This might be your first time, and you're having to fix something, and there's people waiting to go somewhere. Uh, And that's where you work directly with the airline or the operator and say, hey, listen, you know, where is that? You know, to turn the bleeds off. Where do I push that button? Uh So I've actually been asked to stay in the cockpit and and the mechanic will say, well, how do you turn the bleed off? Okay, it's right here. That way it expedites the process because they just don't know the airplane. Right. Uh, and they're also walk through the process of actually signing it off. Yes. Uh, and, and what's cool about that is you get to learn a lot of different airplanes, I think. I think that's awesome. No, it is awesome. And like you said, it could be – it's not uncommon for, for you to be on a particular type of airplane for the first time or work a specific issue on an airplane for the first time. And like I said, it could be quite quite interesting. And honestly, that's where, um, that's where I think some of the differences between being a pilot and being a mechanic sort of s- dissipate somewhat. I would, I would definitely argue that uh, being a pilot makes you a better mechanic and being a mechanic makes you a better pilot for sure. And like you were saying, you know, how do I turn the bleeds off? Well, mechanics that may not have a lot of uh, experience as a mechanic yet or perhaps no flying experience may not completely understand what that means or what what that system is used for let's say you know it's possible and that's and that's what's really cool it's such a learning process that that is the neat thing about being a mechanic someday you know it's like on my bucket list it just (laughs) just seems like so far away because i'm involved in a lot of other things it's a lot of work uh, and hats off to the people that do it. Uh, like you said, you can go to a school or uh, and take some time off to do it. But a lot of folks, especially in my situation, they work with a mechanic and mm-hmm. they log all that time. It could take years to become a mechanic because you're just doing you it part time, right? Um, and that's not, not full time. But something you said is interesting. You had mentioned that you were you were able to do your flying and 
pay for your ratings because you had this license as a mechanic. So that means a couple things. Number one, you had some time off. Uh, number two, the pay it can't be that bad. So I'm going to pull from the Bureau of Labor Statistics numbers. And this is just mechanics, a- aviation, aircraft mechanics, avionics, maintenance and, and maintenance technicians, et cetera, all in one bucket. Uh, the median pay, and this is two years ago, is actually 61260 per year. What does that mean? That's that's like right in the middle. So half the people are above you, half the people are below you. Uh, and, of course, you hear that the higher sides at the airlines, lower sides at some of the mom-and-pop institutions. You do hear some folks at local airports, and I've talked to them, have done really well. They specialize in something, uh, and they go out and they specialize in, say, doing pre-buy inspections. Or, or, or they specialize in a certain type of aircraft, like a serious aircraft. Mm-hmm. So you're going to see some increases in your pay as you specialize in the more you know, I think. Sure. Absolutely. Um, generally speaking, you could probably expect, depending on your experience level, with you know starting from zero experience all on up you can expect at least probably uh, i would i would hope at least at least fifteen dollars an hour I, would, I mean it's probably more than that now when i first started when i got my first mechanic job which was in 2012 i was hired on at sixteen dollars an hour and then within a few months i was at 18 for instance uh, now I know guys that i work with are making 30 you know 35 40 dollars an hour i know guys that are on salary and I know guys that are able to work almost unlimited overtime at time and a half or double time. So the earnings potential is definitely there. Um, and, and like I said, the airlines typically, the, 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 well, it depends on, on the situation, but they're typically where the higher end of the pay scale is. And it's, it's unionized as well, seniority-based. So schedules, it would be difficult, I think, starting out at an airline, as a, as a junior person to have a, a lot of expected time off where you can consistently do some other kind of training like flight training for instance because you're typically working nights and weekends for a while and, and the junior basis wherever those maintenance bases may be just like the pilots are doing so that's something to keep in mind while the money might be very good uh, you have to think about schedule so it's going to depend on your personal goals and educational goals of course uh, then, you know, for instance, like me, when I got my first job, I took a job that was very flexible, that had a set schedule. It was uh, probably a little lower on the pay scale, but it was a set schedule, so I was able to earn my bachelor's degree part-time and then uh, go on to, to getting my, my flight training done as well. So you have to think about uh, what's important to you, whether it's financial gain or, or schedule flexibility, that sort of thing, just like with any job, I suppose. So... That's something to, to, to consider as well. I think a lot of times when you hear us talk to mechanics, uh, they're very senior uh, in the past I've had on the show, and they talk about the flexibility and all that. That comes with time. And, and some of the folks we've had are in Florida. They've had 20 years with an airline, yes. 30 years with an airline. They get their weekends off, et cetera. But yes. in the beginning, like you're saying, that's not going to happen. Right. The and opposite. even <laughs> even right now, for instance, I work a what's called an off-shift so I, you know, I, I work a Friday through Monday shift. So, and it's a it's it's a ten hour shift, ten hours minimum. Let's it's it's guaranteed ten hours. Okay, so you know Friday through Monday. So it's four tens, and that's my schedule. Now I'm I'm not uh, junior junior by any means, but that's the the shift I'm on. That's just how it is. So, you know, uh, that that's something to to think about as well. So I mean, it does take like I said, it takes quite some time. 
it depends on where you go, though. See, I'm not trying to say this is how it's going to be. It, it really depends on where you go. My first job, I worked, uh, I worked Monday through Friday from 8 to, to 5. So it depends on, on where you go, really. Yeah, it does. The situation in general. That if, if you do want to do the 8 to 5, you can. It's out there. Uh, I know a lot of guys that say they, they just want to work at the local airport and uh, work yeah. on Cessnas and, and be home every night and enjoy their airplane at the end of the day. And there's nothing wrong with that. No, and, no. And that's a great situation, I think, because I would love to be home every night. Yeah, and like you were saying, specializing in something. So if you find, as, as you start working on airplanes, something that you really like or an airplane you like, specializing it, and you can actually do work on the side. You're legally allowed to do so uh, at whatever hourly rate you want to set, really. Same thing if you, um, if you after, after you meet uh, some experience requirements as, an, as a licensed airframe power plant mechanic, you can become eligible, eligible to become uh, an inspection authorized mechanic or an IA, which is maybe, so, you guys might have heard the term A&P IA. And uh, so that gives you additional privileges and such, uh, which I earned my IA last year. And uh, it allows you to do uh, other inspections uh, whether through a maintenance shop or or if you have the equipment, you can do it on your own if you have the f- proper facilities and so on. So anyway, that's a that's another thing too that is a possibility where you might have a, a you know work full time and then do some some work on the side to earn additional money for for your flight training or, or whatever else. And if I could real quick, Carl, you know we talked about one way of getting your AMP license, which is through on the job training. The other way though is through going going through an FAA approved part 147 school which uh, usually is 18 to 24 months and that's start to finish and uh and that would give you all you know your your airframe and your power plant certificate at the end and uh there's many schools around you can you can look into those uh, you know some great schools out there for for that as well and we actually partner with two schools at Polk State College here. Uh, and so I'm glad you brought that up because also something else to remember is that you're eligible for VA benefits. Right. And, and you can actually have all your, all your certificates paid for even. Yes. And, and that's something that's very important. So if, if you have benefits and you want to become a mechanic, you can use those. Yeah. And l- let me also say, too, uh, if you're still in the military uh, and your schedule allows you could potentially start some of the training through using tuition assistance in the military without touching your VA benefits, yeah, your GI Bill, which is more or less what I did. Uh, when I took my, my written test prep crash course, it was, uh, it was through tuition assistance, so I hadn't paid for that. And all I paid out of pocket for was to actually take the written exams. And by the way, I should also mention, whichever route you take to get your A&P license, it's the three written exams, and then there are, uh, it could all be done in one day, but t- technically there's three oral and practicals as well. And it could, and, and, and well, I say you could do it in one day. I've seen guys that have taken two days or, or three. It depends on the examiner because we have designated mechanic examiners, DMEs, just like there are DPEs. So it, it's a similar process that we, that we undertake. But anyway, it, you know, so you, you, you have to meet the requirements, whether through a school or through experience. For the FAA to say, okay, I approve you to take the writtens, which is they, they endorse an application, essentially, the, the Flight Standards District Office, that you can take to an, an FAA-approved testing center to take the written exams. You wouldn't take them all at once. You'd take one, one, you know, the general one day, airframe one day, power plant another day. Uh, I mean, I suppose you could do it all at once, but it'd be, that'd be a long day. But um, anyway, 
And then once you're done with that, then you can call a DME and say, hey, I'm ready to do the oral and practical part of, uh, of, the, of the mechanic. And they're going to ask you questions, everything from piston airplanes uh, all the way through jets. So, I mean, it's, I recommend being prepared. Like you said, uh, like, I, well, like you kind of alluded to earlier, I didn't have any piston experience. So when it came time to do the piston part of my, of my practical test, uh, it was a little bit of a struggle, honestly. So, uh, you know, the deep DME at the end, gave, you know, gave me some advice, you know, you're fine. You just need to brush up on, on X, Y, and Z. Make sure you do that though. And I, I took his advice and, and I did, of course. But anyways, you have to be, uh, realistic to what, what your, what your, uh, limitations are. So make sure you, you are studying uh, in addition to whatever the school is or whatever the case is. Yeah, that's some great advice. Um, you know, a couple more things before we wrap up here. One of the things I, I think is important is also to make people aware of the challenges of being a mechanic, because uh, we want to be transparent here. What are what are some of those challenges that people may may not realize uh, when you are thinking of becoming a mechanic and working in the field? Well, here's been my experience, and this would be my primary, I'd say, obstacle that we face in the maintenance field, and that is. It doesn't really matter how much experience you have and what airplanes you worked in the past. When you start a new job, you pretty much start over because you're working a different airplane or airplanes. So just keep that in mind. It's not like, well, in most cases anyway, with a pilot where you go to training first, uh, whether it be a type, get a type rating on an airplane or, or, or do some mentoring with, on, in the right seat or what have you, where there's some indoctrination to an airplane. Um, it's not like that with a mechanic. Like I said, that gives you the privilege to work on anything. So when you start a new job, that's been my challenge is it's like starting all over. So I went from working on F-18s, which are very advanced, sophisticated airplanes, to working on Warbirds, which basically is like, oh, forget all that stuff you knew from the military. And then from, from there, I started doing like mobile maintenance type work on different types of airplanes. So that was a new challenge. And then going on now to the corporate jet side, um, even though I had lots of jet experience from the military and from the warbirds and such, it's a different, it's just a different animal. The systems are, overall airplanes and airplane, the systems are, are similar, but the way they're set up and engineered, designed, laid out, put together, et cetera, are all different. And the procedures, just reading the maintenance manuals is, is a challenge. Going through and learning the, the the maintenance record system, you know, we use a computerized maintenance record system. That was a challenge. So that's something to bear in mind. Uh, be prepared to be humbled anytime you start a new position somewhere uh, because it's a lot like starting over in a lot of ways. So one of the great things, though, about being a mechanic, like you said, you a lot of times have time to do other things and yeah one of the things you actually got to do is start a podcast and you are involved in some pre-buy inspections so yes tell us a little bit about that what what you're doing with the pre-buys and the airplane intel podcast sure and i appreciate that carl so uh like i said it does give me some time although i've been a little busier lately uh so hadn't had much time but a couple years ago i was lucky enough to meet a, a who a gentleman who became my mentor don and we decided to start a podcast together. And ironically, it, it's kind of funny because Don's a very, very, very knowledgeable guy. He's like a walking aviation encyclopedia. And he's a mechanic and a, a type-rated ATP pilot, etc. Very experienced guy. But he's all, an older guy. And, uh, you know, I've always been interested in starting a podcast and, and one in aviation. So I 
after working with him on some other things, I approached him and said, hey, what do you think about doing a podcast? And I thought he'd shoot me down because he's an old timer and he and didn't maybe know what that even was. But he was all for it. And so we started a podcast, the Airplane Intel podcast, a few years ago. And um, we talk about the ins and outs of air, aircraft ownership, everything from those light piston single engine airplanes all the way up to the corporate jets and we're, we're kind of taking from our own experience in the field as as mechanics and pilots but another thing we do is we interview owners of airplanes to get their perspective uh, from about a particular airplane as well as industry experts and then of course we do a lot of the major aviation event coverage such as sun and fun and and um, eaa air venture and so on mbaa so it's a it's a wide range of topics. I think uh, if you're considering buying an airplane or just want to learn more about uh, what goes on in, with maintaining an airplane, I think uh, it's a it's a good resource to start with. Yeah, as an aircraft owner, it's definitely a, I attest to the fact that it's really good, great place to start, especially some of those specific podcasts about specific aircraft that you might be interested in. Uh, and in general, you always learn something when you listen to people talk about their airplanes. Uh, there's always some tidbit of information, how to fix something, etc. cetera. Uh, and it's really important whether you're flying an airplane, you're maintaining an airplane, maintaining whatever equipment it may be, it's always good to hear those stories. You will always learn something. So hats off to you on that one. It's great, great podcast. Thank Can't you. Can't wait to hear more of those come out. Uh, you know, we have to wrap up, but uh, before we go, um, and I think this field of the aviation maintenance technicians is growing. They're looking at about 5% growth every year over year in technicians, et cetera. But... One of the things that I always tell people is go into it because you enjoy it, not just for the money. Because during those down times and those times that are challenging, gosh, you know, it really, if you didn't go into it because you liked it, it, it's like any other job. It becomes just a job. Absolutely. That's great advice. So, Adam, is there any other advice you have for the people that are listening that are considering becoming a mechanic and uh, possibly getting into this field, whether they're currently listening on a ship right now and on a boat out there in the sea and thinking about becoming a mechanic or they're uh, just starting off a young person thinking about getting into this field. Well, either way, uh, as, as you advocate a lot, Carl, I recommend no matter what stage in your life you are, if you're interested in it, learn more about it by, by doing a little studying, some research. There's a lot out there that the FAA has that you can use to get an idea of what uh, some of the requirements are. And also, like, like you know, the, the handbooks are available online. Start studying. Uh, the earlier, the better. There's a lot of material to cover. So that's a, that's a good place to start. And, and to piggyback again off what you said, do it because you enjoy it, because you love being around airplanes. Uh, you know, not just because you're good at being a mechanic and you you know think you might like airplanes. I mean, it's a it's a tough job with a lot of with a lot of requirements. But more moreover, and probably what makes it different than being a car mechanic is the responsibility. There is a lot of responsibility there, and uh, so you know, just do it because you love it, not just because uh, it sounds like a good idea at the time. <laughs> you know. Great advice. And uh, Adam, again, thanks for coming on. Uh, and we really appreciate you coming on. Flying out here, I guess you're going to have to fly back on the weather again, huh? Yeah, hey, that sounds fine to me. <laughs> 
Well, you know, one of the things that uh, is important is to continue, like you said, uh, moving forward. And if you have questions, by the way, and you want to ask those, feedback at aviationcareerspodcast.com. We will forward them on. Of course, you can find Adam at airplaneintelpodcast.com. And it's really the great thing about aviation, people really do want to help. They want to help you move forward in your career and your life. And as I always say, do something today. Do something now to move forward in your career. One of the things, like Adam said, is go out there, go online. Line, look at the the uh, mechanic license over there on the website at the FAA. How to become a mechanic? It's really that simple. Read through all that material. Download the PDF files. They're all free. And start talking to those schools. Get out there and talk to somebody. But the most important thing you need to do is do something today to move forward in your career. Well, we'll talk to you next episode and safe flying. You have been listening to Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. This aviation podcast is produced by the Valeri Aviation Corporation. Although hosts or guests may receive compensation for products and services discussed in this podcast, compensation never influences our opinion. Before purchasing any product or service, you should always do your own research. Music by Billy Wheeler. All rights reserved. 